0: WKNC 88.1, you guys are listening to Carolina Grown. This is Grant Golden, and I am in the studio right now with Songs of Water, a fantastic band out of Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, these guys are going to have a show coming up next week at the Poor House. That is on Thursday, November 14th. It's going to be a fantastic show. Uh, thank you guys for coming in so much. I'm really excited to talk with you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for thank having you. us. Thank you. All right. So, um, first off, I'm interested. How long have you guys all been playing music together?
1: I think 2007 is probably when this form of the band first started. Um, some of us have played together longer than that, but 2007 is really when we started going for it.
0: And so, have you guys all been separately making music? I'd imagine for much longer than that. Um, what what kind of styles did you guys all bring into Songs of Water? Because for those uh, out in Radio Land that aren't familiar, this is a very kind of like amorphous type project. There's a lot of influences brought in to kind of produce a very unique sound. So what is everyone sort of bringing in with their musical backgrounds?
1: You know, um, most of us have come from uh, some sort of uh, world music background or some sort of um, just ethnic uh, music as well as uh, we all love um just experimental music, all, all kinds of experimental music. Uh, Dead Can Dance was a big influence of mine back in the day. and um, But we've all studied different genres and um, West African percussion, uh, Turkish music. and, and But it, it all sort of blends together. No, none of our music is really uh, pure or true to any of those styles. Um, but we've drawn from a lot of those influences. It's hard to say everybody in the band composes and right. and everybody in the band plays about 15 instruments and so uh, we're still figuring that one out too.
0: Yeah, it it seems like it's the uh, the term world music is so I don't it's very vague, but it it's very like applicable I feel like in this sense because it isn't very region specific. There is a lot of different influences coming in there. And um It's just you don't see that a lot. A lot of the times, if you got something, like I was talking with you earlier about Dialli Sosoho, very West Mm African-based, you have a lot of that rhythm in there. But I can definitely feel a lot of the different regions flowing in, and um, it kind of coincides a bit with your name, Songs of Water. Is that how you guys came up with it?
1: I think it's appropriate. It, It seems to fit, but Songs of Water was actually just the the title of the first album, and the band sort of grew out of that. And um, but, I, but it is very appropriate, I think, because the, the different influences do sort of flow in and out in, in different ways. And um, Some people have called us post-traditional folk. Others have called us uh, cinematic world music and biscuits and curry, eclectic <laughs> pawn shop music, I don't, <laughs> somewhere in between there.
0: Post traditional folk. That's how <laughs> When you throw post and folk in together, that's gonna be something interesting. Um, so you guys are basically all multi-instrumentalists. Um, how how do you kind of democratically decide what what goes into a certain track and what instrument you're playing? Do you guys have a lot of layover and stuff like that? Like, oh, I wanna play Hammer Dulcimer <laughs> on this track? Like
2: you got the goods for that question. <clears throat> I mean, you know, I think when we're putting together a piece, uh, there's different emotions and there's different things that we're all sort of feeling. And, you know, I think we're all pretty sensitive to, you know, you just don't throw every sound on a track. You know, you kind of you use the instrument that really does have the voice for the track. And, um, you know, we've got instruments that sound really similar, like, um, you know, a Turkish saws in its own way it can even sound like a hammer dulcimer. But, you know even the hitting of the string on the hammer dulcimer adds such a different voice or inflection. And so, you know, we just, we're just we sensitive to it, and we just kind of...
1: We've had several songs that we've even tried different instruments on until we find the yeah, one with the, the right timbre. Yeah.
0: Right, and so do you guys see yourself like changing it up live from when you do it in studio, or do you guys try to keep it pretty tried and true to what you guys laid down?
2: Sometimes, like, you know, for example, like um, on the oldest record, you know, uh, there's a song we play still live called Mufafa's Kitchen that was played on a Persian tar. Uh, Now we play it on a Turkish saws because we don't have a tar anymore. (laughs) We had to give it back to our friend. And uh, but yeah, what's cool, though, is like, I mean, it, you know, it was written on the tar, but then like, you know, it's it's kind of morphed and turned into a whole new Mm. song and added a kind of a new energy, too, that's sort of brought out more. So yeah, it, it always changes.
0: Yeah, it seems like with music like this, there's there's a real divide between what you have in studio and what you have live mm-hmm. because the energy really does shape this music so much, mm-hmm. and especially if it's to the point where you know you're playing a certain part on an entirely different instrument. Um, how have you seen your music evolve both as a whole and as like individual songs? Like, what have you noticed like a particular change about the way you guys are approaching this?
1: I think that as we've grown to know each other uh, musically, that the music has matured a lot from when we first started playing together. And uh, we sort of learn how um, our strengths work together and um, sort of look to one another for particular things that mm-hmm. contribute to the music. And um, But, you know, I, I think we see the stage aspect of it in the studio almost is two different art forms in some way it's two different expressions at least and um you know some things stay true to the way we tracked it but most of the time I think we discover that we don't even learn the personality of the songs sometimes Mm -hmm. for years after we've already recorded it and then they just they continue to evolve uh, as we do Mm
0: -hmm. yeah so it's interesting I love one of my favorite things about acts like that when you can experience something so entirely different live as opposed to in studio. um, Have you guys contemplated on recording something live, whether that be doing like a live album or whether that be, I don't know how you guys like track your stuff or tracking it as a full band. We
2: track all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Someday uh, there is vision to do some live stuff, Um, but that's a someday thing. Mm -hmm. Right now we
0: have an album that we're
2: kind of, Focusing most of our energy on
0: and Speaking of that um, you guys had a, a Indiegogo recently that was uh, coincided along with that new album and a documentary as well um, Could you talk a little bit about the process behind uh, working on this album and kind of having a documentary sort of coincide with that?
1: sure well, we um, we've been working on this album most of the year and We're hoping to have it out by the first of next year. And when we went into the studio, we probably only had maybe two songs that we had all played together and and really not much more than that that was written. And so a lot of the album um, we've been writing in the studio together um, and really we're still thinking through the songs and choosing instruments and and figuring those out. Um, But... Um it's, it's definitely been, uh, you know, sort of create in the moment uh, with a lot of the songs coming out on the next record. We've, um, we're still learning exactly uh, what the identity of this record is as well. Um, so that was mu- this one's much different than The Sea Is Spoken, which was our last record where we had the majority of the music already precomposed, and we just went in and tweaked the arrangements a little bit. But, um, but this is a completely different creative process for us.
0: And which which do you prefer at this point? You know, like, going in and knowing exactly what you're trying to do or sort of letting this kind of take its form as it goes on? That's tough.
1: It is tough. It's
0: been interesting to see songs evolve, though, at this point, from kind of little nuggets or just, uh, you know, a simple little melody. And then you just, you know, some of the different people will bring different things to the song, and then you're kind of surprised by it. And I like that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So it's like... Sometimes it's kind of aggravating because you're a little worried. How's this? Mm. What's the final result going to be? Um, but you know, as as to when we went in before, we already knew what the songs kind of sounded like. So it's kind of challenging mm-hmm. in that respect. But
2: I think both ways have a place, and you know, we've seen we've seen just kind of coming in there with just a little spark you know, and really don't have anything arranged, we've seen that shoot us in the foot, and we've seen it give us a little piece of gold, you know what I mean? And right. I think uh, I think there's an element of preparedness that's really good to have when you go in there, no matter, <coughs> even if it's a little nugget, just to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, kind of look ahead to see the vision of where you're trying to yeah. go with it.
0: Yeah, like you got to prepare to explore and kind right. of find something Absolutely, out. Yeah, yeah so uh, with this documentary that's coinciding with this... Um, who are any of you guys involved with the making of that? Who have you guys got to work on this? And how, how has that changed the process of working on this album?
1: Yeah. We're working with a guy out of Charlotte uh, who's a friend of ours. And, and most all that we do is, is sort of born out of community. And um, and he's a friend who is also a filmmaker down there and does a lot of documentaries. And you know, he's come into this process sort of as a fly on the wall and, and just sort of trying to capture different moments of what we're doing. And, um, you know, it's been a challenge for sure because we we didn't want to do just a documentary that uh, just sort of um, told you what happened, but we wanted it to contribute to the art of, of what we're creating. And so we're still working through that um, and how to actually present the narrative of it um but it's been challenging, you know, uh as well just having someone film the good, the bad and the ugly of right. of everything taking place, especially when so much of it was was not pre composed before we went in there, you know. It's a, a it's big... like there's an eye on you at all yeah. times at this point now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well it's 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 definitely gonna be interesting to see it almost sort of like a companion piece to it at this point. Um it's because it's interesting with that with documentaries that are coinciding with the making of albums because there's a lot of people, I know myself included, that wonder, you know, when you're sitting down and listening to something like this that's so intricate and so expansive, just like how on earth did they even <laughs> go about doing this? Yeah. So it's really interesting to kind of pull back the curtains and mm-hmm. see how it is. It's almost like the unveiling of the wizard, so yeah. to speak. I guess.
1: You know, I think. Um... I think for us, we we're learning that the way our music works best is when we each have um, sort of a sensitivity to leave space for one another, mm-hmm. and and so even the music itself is very communal-minded in that sense. Because any one of the band members here could write their own uh, compositions and do, and and it would be amazing stuff. But but to come together collectively and and sort of. Pull back enough to leave room for someone else to come forward has, um, in my opinion, taken the music to a much greater level than than what we've done on our own.
0: Definitely, and I'm glad we talked about that because uh, we are going to get ready to take a short break, listen to a little bit of music from Songs of Water, and then I want to talk with you guys a little bit about some of this like individual musicianship because when you have like a seven person band at this point, I'd imagine there is a lot going on individually as well as as a community. So. Definitely interested to find out a little bit more about that. You guys are getting ready to listen to some tracks from Songs of Water. They're going to be playing at the Poor House next Thursday. That is November 14th right here in Raleigh. It's going to be a fantastic show. Going to be right back with some more Carolina Grown. WKNC 88.1. We are back with Carolina Grown. You guys were just listening to some music from Songs of Water, and I am still joined in studio by the good folks in Songs of Water. I am here with Stephen, Greg, Lisa, Luke, and Price five members of this seven-person band, um, it, it will be a little bit difficult to fit all seven into the <laughs> studio. So it's like a, a pseudo-truncated version. Because we still got a good bit. But um, before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, some of the individual musicianship uh, inside of this band. And I'm very interested to see, because we talked earlier, about how there's clearly a lot of different influence that comes into this. And do you all foray a little bit into individual composition? And what? how does that compare to Songs of Water, if so?
1: Just about everyone in the band writes their own stuff uh, on some level or another. And I have a lot of my own songwriting um, pieces. Um, Elisa's done uh, composition work for others. And uh, both Stephen Price and Luke also do production work um, for a lot of different bands and, and artists. Um, and, you know, so all, all of us write a whole lot individually, and uh, some of the songs on the new record have come from that. We've just sort of brought ideas from our own individual database, I guess, and then brought it together and, and given it over to the collective to, to add um, the individual influences to it.
0: And so, do you see this more as uh, each individual member kind of having their voice that they're bringing to, or do you see this more as like it it becomes a part of this like communal writing aspect?
1: I think it definitely becomes more of a communal thing uh, at this point. It's it's much more of a collaborative act than than it has been before, um, and we're still you know we're still developing and figuring out our creative process together, so that it can leave room. For what everybody, for what everybody does, and for instance, on this uh, record, uh, John, one of the guys that's not in here with us, he uh, does um, wind instruments as well as accordion uh, and piano, or some of the instruments he does, and uh, and then Elisa as well um, does a lot of strings, viola, violin, and cello as well, um, and then all of the ethnic instruments that Luke and I uh, play a lot of. Um, Greg's songwriting and. Um, it all just kind of blends together and 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 you know till we find the spot where right. everybody's smiling
0: <laughs> and uh so how did you guys all get into these individual instruments i know usually when i talk with uh bands that play such a wide array of music a lot of them have the overwhelming answer of oh well i was in band when i was in school <laughs> so i imagine that a lot of people have that but what how did you get introduced to this stuff when i i'm not sure if you guys are all like native to the area but i know there's not a lot of that around here Mm
2: -hmm. i grew up with um two musician parents you know that did a lot of festivals and a lot of traveling and um you know growing up seeing a lot of different musical styles and uh not just, you know, American folk, but like, you know, folk festivals that would have like West African instruments, you know, bring over people like, you know, Timoni Diabate. And, um, you know, and my dad would always play records around the house just to kind of, I think because, you know, bluegrass and folk, you know, was kind of our family's staple music. And so like, you know, I think just to get himself back into a creative space, he just kind of get a sense of release listening to old Django, Reinhardt and Stefan Grappelli records, Ravi Shankar, you know, and different other, you know, Indian or European artists. And so that for me was the thing that set me off when I was young and just, I just, I don't know why. I think I got a little, I had a little too much of the bluegrass and the (laughs) folk that I just kind of fell in love with things that sounded really different and, you know, So then I figured out about this thing called eBay, started buying instruments, (laughs) you (laughs) know, and every time me and Steven travel, you know, we like to try to bring back, you know, something and something that carries a voice with it that we could try to blend into whatever we create. So Um, what's,
0: what's the most unique sort of instrument that you found while just sort of like perusing for something?
2: (laughs) Goat toes. toes. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't actually take them off. Um. What, uh,
1: I think the rebab is pretty much uh, one of the most unique. The, uh, we we have a, a instrument from Afghanistan called the rebab, and and that one is an ancient instrument that's pretty unique and uh, it has like eighteen sympathetic strings on mm-hmm. it and three gut strings. It's only three frets and the rest of it is fretless. Oh wow! Uh, so it's a it's a pretty uh, pretty interesting mm-hmm. instrument. But that'd be up there. It's kind of hard to, you know, they yeah. all have such a different voice. But
0: both fretted and fretless. That's yeah. like I don't know how frequently I've come across something yeah. like that. That's that's interesting. Yeah. I'd imagine a lot of these have a pretty interesting learning curve as well. Do you guys find yourself, you know, just like able to jump into a lot of these things, or is there a lot of just kind of noodling around and seeing how it works? Well, the truth is, like a lot of the a lot of the um,
2: stringed instruments, like the rebab and the saz, and you know stuff that we play, is very similar to things mm-hmm. like a mandolin. Right? Or, you know, like not some of them are tuned to kind of quarter tone scales, like the the Turkish saz. That's a bit of a learning curve. You kind of gotta <laughs> watch mm-hmm. out, or you're gonna mm-hmm. hit a sour note with all of our 440 mess going on. Mm-hmm. But no, there. I think if you listen, if you really are into the music and you really listen, it starts to become such a part of you. But also just playing a lot of different instruments. You know, like if you start on mandolin, it wouldn't be hard to pick any of these things Mm -hmm. up. A lot of them are tuned in ones and fives or ones and fourths, like very similar to, you know, Western music.
0: Yeah. And it seems like a lot of this stuff too parallels because, you know, it's a traditional form, it's just from a different type of culture. So it's Mm -hmm. like listening to folk and bluegrass is like an easy transition, like you said, into stuff like Ravi Shankar. Because anishakori uh, out true. here happens all the time, and that has gotten me into a lot of world mm-hmm. music and a lot of stuff I would have never listened to. Right. But it parallels so well. And it a does. lot of people that wouldn't come into it uh, with that open mind of like, oh, well, this is something traditional from this culture. Mm. A lot of people might not be susceptible to that. But it's I feel like once you have gotten into that, it's it kind of just opens the floodgates. And it's like the next thing you know, you're like listening to music from afghanistan or <laughs> listening to this like it's it's, it's really act, interesting it's actually
2: funny if you break a lot of the music down like to its bare bones like you know like what scale you're using and stuff really the only thing that sounds different a lot of times are uh the instruments themselves like yeah so much of the music is written in pentatonics and stuff that if you just switch to instruments on then you're like oh well now that sounds african or oh that sounds bluegrass now. yeah like, you know what i mean and it's amazing to hear how yeah. all of our music is very actually similar.
0: Yeah, and too it's I see you know like you guys have a whole range of instruments that provide a whole range of voices. So it seems like the songwriting process can get kind of concise to a point. Like how do you guys typically start out with a song? Do you start with you're on a particular <clears throat> instrument, you find a certain melody and then you just bring it to someone and there it goes.
1: I think one of the, the interesting things for me has been taking songs that may have become as just a simple singer-songwriter uh, acoustic guitar and vocal for some of the vocal tracks and then uh, completely stripping it away from the acoustic guitar mm-hmm. and replacing it with a hammered dulcimer or replacing it with um, a, a string section or one of these uh, gut instruments, you know, um, and then sort of rebuilding the character of the song uh, around these other instruments, and and that's that's been a real um, joy for me to see those things. But I, I think we all just keep an open mind with a lot of the different instruments. That many times we're like, hey, why don't you try that melody on that instrument, or why don't you, you know, let's let's play um, this rhythmic pattern with these three drums rather than the drum kit, or right. you know.
0: And so it seems like with this one of the big uh struggles could be how how do you know when a song is done like do you guys struggle to just kind of be like but i want to add this this and this because it can get so much more in depth like it seems like it's a real push and pull type thing with keeping it like lush and very well orchestrated or having it overproduced
1: Mm -hmm.
2: honestly i think that you know Music in itself is eternal, and every time you play a tune, it it's almost getting recreated again in some ways. And uh, you, can, you can stick to the same arrangement if you want forever, but the truth is it will never be quite the same, just, you know. Uh, and I think, like all art, you could do more with it, but I think sometimes you have to just make a mature call and just be like, wait a minute, I can't get too much crazier with this, yeah. you know, because... Mm-hmm. Might mess with something really pure, and there is something too about uh, patience and waiting, and even like space yeah. and give letting your art have space and room to breathe, and allow there to be like for a person to see your art as well. There could be more here, but they didn't, and yeah. it Definitely. leaves your room for
0: imagination and
2: stuff to come in there. And
0: a lot of it seems like it. A lot of it is based on the headspace that you leave. You know, like mm. how much can. These people Mm -hmm. hear a melody and be like, oh, well, you can almost kind of create a sort of accompaniment Mm. yourself. Um, And lastly, I'm really, really interested in hearing the sort of musical inspirations that you guys have taken, whether it be, you know, like uh, historically from traditional artists or whether it be contemporary as well, because you guys are doing something that a lot of people aren't. Um, Like I said, you aren't really sticking with a region specific type of world music. Um, it's kind of very overarching, so I'm very interested to see where you guys are drawing a lot of your influence from with this.
2: Mm-hmm. Should we all go around the room? <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that's the uh, that's the thing is is we all have so many different varied influences, and uh, there are these moments where our influences intersect, and and that tends to be the highlights of of our collaborative effort. Um, but you know, we. Uh, we love Afterclang a lot as a as a modern band. Now we right. we all listen to Afterclang, and um, but then I I personally I mentioned Dead Can Dance earlier, completely different than Afterclang, but I love those guys. And then um, I don't know, it, it,
0: we just all listen to a heck of a lot of music, yeah, all over the map. I mean, one day you'll hear Korra mm. music, and the next day you'll hear some modern pop. Yeah, music.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. Uh, a lot of the people I get the most inspired by are my friends, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know true. people around the communities that we see and travel. Like, yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, um, we've done a lot of shows and had made friends with a band called Soil in the Sun out in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and constantly getting inspired just by continuing to listen to their stuff. Mm-hmm. And a friend, Tamber from incredible. Nashville, she's a harpist, incredible. just mm-hmm. incredible. And even you know local Greensboro bands like uh daniel goins and his wife lauren their lyrics and you know david wimbish in the collection definitely a lot of our friends are honestly in my opinion pushing some really beautiful uh Mm -hmm. pushing beyond some kind of boundaries that i think that you know culture's kind of set up and really beautiful things
0: are happening that's what inspires me yeah Mm -hmm. definitely and I know I said lastly last time, but lastly, how do you feel like you fit into the North Carolina community of musicians? Mm -hmm. Um, I know I had a conversation I was mentioning earlier with the guys from The Brand New Life, and they were talking about how it's kind of a struggle. They have a bit of an Afrobeat-type sound, and they kind of have to build a market around that, and they've since moved up to New York, and there's a built-in market for them. Mm -hmm. How do you guys coincide with what's going on musically in North Carolina?
1: You know, I I, I think that um, for us, it, it's more about, it is in some ways changing the culture, you know, and um, I've not recognized an issue, maybe because our music is so ambiguous in some ways, you can't really pin it down um, as this or that, and that, that's really why I don't even like labels is like, you know, what did I say earlier, traditional folk or any of those those other labels, post-traditional folk, yeah, um, you know, and I think that in some ways uh, that's been an advantage, um, but as far as how it fits in with, with North Carolina music, I think there is a heritage here, um, especially even with Appalachian music, and when we mentioned bluegrass earlier, you know, bluegrass, uh, when you really break it down, is a world music. It's just, it's what we offer to that scene. And, and so I think in some strange way, um, it carries the same DNA as some of the folk heritage music that's here. But I think it also reflects, um, even culturally, where we are uh, in America now. I, I mean, honestly, I think that our music is more uh, modern American than a lot of things, right. because you hear so many of the influences of other cultures, and mm. and um, so, you know, surprisingly, the music has been very well received in North Carolina, and um, as well as the other places that we've played. Um, we just got back from Australia, we did two weeks over there, and had an incredible time, and um, so in a sense, we got to represent over in another country, our version of American mm-hmm. music, That's you true. know, and... Um, so yeah, I don't think we have to move anywhere to be received. I just think we need to um, show the folks here something different because I think that's what everybody's really hungry for is something authentic and something that's going to press the boundaries of of what can be done creatively.
0: Definitely, it's interesting you mention it because I can see it. You know, it's this is like a musical representation of that melting pot. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. yes. it's awesome and. Um, So, you know, like whether you be in Australia or whether you be at the poorhouse on November 14th (laughs) next week um, to check it out because it's going to be really awesome. I'm very excited to see the live show for you guys because I'm absolutely enamored by what you guys have in the studio. It's fantastic. And I'm really excited to see it transition live. Um, Thank you all so much for coming in and joining me in the studio. Going to play it out with a little bit more songs of water for you guys. Thank you for tuning in to Carolina Grown. We will be back.